Today's reading is from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely only on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The human heart is one of the most deceitful things of all and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Good morning, friends. Pastor Sharon here with you this morning. For those of you gathered in this space or gathered with us online, we're grateful to be together. Um, question for you. You know, when, when the weather changes like this, you start thinking about what's your favorite seasons. Okay, so for those of you who are like, oh, I can't... Summer is almost done. Summer is my favorite. Raise your hand. Summer. Oh, yeah. You're, the heat, no matter how. How about winter? Like winter sports? No winter people here in person. Oh, a couple. A couple. There we go. Spring? Somebody like spring is your favorite? Okay, got a couple of spring. How about anybody here like me who think fall is the very best time of year? Oh, I see some of you just like that. I love the change of season. And I even love some of this moisture that we're getting here in the, you know, there's something about the fall. It's more like a start to something new than even January is for me. And part of it was starting school. I mean, do you remember going and buy school supplies? I can still smell that, you know, new crayons and new pencils and have everything all lined up. I love the start of that. And as weather shifts like where we're, we are today, cooler days and shorter t- daylight hours, we, we say there's something to look forward to in the fall. There's something coming. And this fall especially, I think it's po- been poised for new hope in different ways. I think it's because... We all have been through 18 plus months of this pandemic and we all thought, we thought this fall, this is going to be it. We're going to be back. We're going to start anew. Everything's going to be just as it was. I think the term we use here is we had hoped. We had hoped, with vaccines readily available and COVID cases and deaths going down, we had hoped we could be back together in person completely free of any other thing. We had hoped school would be back as normal. It is back, but not quite in the same way. We had hoped companies would be back in the office. That may not be true for all of you. Maybe you're very glad to be working from home and you're just as glad that that's not happening. We had hoped that restaurants, cultural events would be opened up for all of us and we could go back to enjoying the things we like to do as as a community. And here at Pinelet Covenant, the staff and leadership team, we had hoped that this fall we could launch into opening up things fully. We had hoped that children and youth programs would look maybe like they had in the past, that we could do Tuesdays together, which was our meal to connect with one another. And we're not able to do all of that. We've had to shift some of our expectations again. We had hoped. We had hoped. 
You know, we even think of the anniversary of 9-11 that we commemorated this weekend. And we realize that that is a stark reminder that things can change in an instant. Where life seems to be going a certain way and then suddenly it goes another direction. We had hoped. Whatever the future holds for us in this fall, and I still have that sense of excitement even without new crayons. Where is our hope going to be centered? What is the place we're saying, this is why I have hope? In the middle of a pandemic, uncertain future, the things we prayed about this morning that um, Dave and Carla had us pray about, climate catastrophes, natural disasters, community violence, all those things, where is our place of hope? And I, I, I confess sometimes, if you... I always think it's not, uh, when you read the news or hear the news, it's always the bad news of the day. It's not the good news of the day, right? But when you hear it, there is this sense of, oh, everything's going downhill. This is horrible. Our culture, our everything is bad. So how do we root ourselves in hope? And especially for us here at Pinelet Covenant, where fall really is the start of a new year, our fiscal year begins at September and goes through August, this is the start of our new ministry year. And we are ready to go, but where are we going to place our hope? Well, you know, the prophets and the wisdom literature in the Bible often presented that question with really stark realities. On the one hand this, and on the other hand this. Very clear choices. You're cursed or you're blessed. You're hoping in God or you're hoping in humans. And that's the text we find for ourselves here today in Jeremiah chapter 17 that that Ellie read for us earlier. If you have your Bibles, either in print or digitally, I encourage you to open them to Jeremiah chapter 17. It's toward the middle of the Bible. If you can see it, mine's right here. It follows the other long prophetic uh, chapter of, of Isaiah. A little context, context for this, first of all, in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is sometimes called the weeping prophet. He was like, there's a lot of downer. I mean, speaking of bad news, there's a lot of it in Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah, he wrote over almost five decades And he urged this rebellious people to turn back to God. And he kept saying, change your ways, repent of your sins. And he didn't, there wasn't really a lot of positive response to his message over 50 years. And so much of the book of Jeremiah is a recognition that there's going to be judgment coming. There are warnings that there's impending doom. But here tucked in this chapter of Jeremiah and in other places too. There are these glimmers of hope and these things to hold fast to. A place where you can make a choice about how you respond to the things that happen around you. Now it might have been in this passage even that culturally when Jeremiah wrote this, he was thinking of the king that was in uh, ruling then, King Jehoiakim. And they were getting um, threats from Babylonians. They were going to come in and conquer. And so... There was a tendency for Judah, that nation that Jeremiah was a part of, to say, let's find some place to save us. Let's go make an alliance with the king of Egypt. And so maybe Jeremiah was talking about that. We can all be tempted to look for a place for hope outside of ourselves. And Jeremiah has this stark contrast of those who are going to find their hope in human strength 
and those who are going to consistently set their hope on the Lord. So this morning, we're going to take a look at that in contrasts. And I'm going to give you a few, on the other hand, parts of this too. Because sometimes we want to take one verse of scripture and build our whole faith around it. And we have to remember the Bible and God is mysterious and much bigger than we can imagine. But let's take a look at what it says here in Jeremiah 17. Because it starts out by saying, there are some people who are cursed. The cursed, ah, we don't like that word at all, do we? That's not a word we like to throw around, but that's exactly what Jeremiah is saying here. The cursed, how does he describe it? What's the mindset of those who are cursed? They trust in mere humans. Their trust is not in God. They rely on personal strength, or as some translations put it, they put their faith in the flesh. That means in ourselves, in what I can do. Really saying, I'm going to trust in myself. What's another inclination of their heart? They turn their hearts away from God. It says in verse 7 there, uh, 5, excuse me. They turn their hearts away from God. That just means they're turning their back on where their source of life is and they're saying, I'm going I'm to look for this somewhere else. My heart is going to go this way, not towards God. And it really says then, then there's no hope for the future. Or as some translations have it, when prosperity comes, it passes them by. It's like they can't even see the good that's coming because they're, they're turning away towards something else. So focused on meeting their own needs by their own strength that they miss what is there offered by God. That's how the cursed are described in this. And of course, Jeremiah gives us a fitting picture. He's all about pictures, isn't he? And I think this is a good one. He says, you're just like a shrub, a withered shrub, a bush in the wastelands. That's what you are when you live that way. There's the wastelands where there's an uncertain or uneven source of nourishing water. The, the wastelands that are parched and barren and just shallow roots go down. And so it means stunted growth and not a flourishing of the plant. In fact, some of the, the scripture says in this one, it's a salt land where no one lives. I mean, salt... Uh, the, the fields that were full of salt, un, uninhabited. People didn't want to live there because things wouldn't grow there. And so it's a place of loneliness and isolation. A withered shrub. This imagery of barrenness and desolation, of worthlessness, uselessness, it's kind of the way we would be if we only trusted in our own resources. This is what we're going to have. Just a stunted, withered shrub. Now I have to say though, we can't be too cynical and use this as a proof text that says, oh, we're never supposed to trust in mere humans. Right? We're never to believe anything human beings say. No, that's, that's, that would be taking this way too far. I mean, think about it. You and I every day get out and drive on roads and go across bridges that humans have put together. And it isn't a sign that we don't have hope in God. It means we trust in the God-given creativity and scientific ingenuity of engineers who put that together. And so we, yes, there are times where we trust in people. 
The same can be said for health decisions. We put our trust in research and outcomes and that are meant for human safety. And we listen to those who've studied these things and, we, and they know something more than I know. So yes, let's not twist this scripture to say, dismiss any acknowledgement of any kind of wisdom outside of the Bible. I mean, the Bible is the source of God's word, but God is active all over in the world. And so we need to not take this proof text and twist it around to use for our own advantage. However, however, the kind of trust that is spoken about here is real. And for all those of us who claim the name of Jesus, we have to remember that if we place our ultimate trust in human beings rather than God, we're cursed. This is what it means. It's placing full confidence in human strength, human knowledge, rather than turning our hearts and our allegiance and our hope to our almighty and all-loving God. So what might this look like, kind of trusting in ourselves? I mean, I think we're all, we're all tempted to do it, right? We think about our financial security. We think about the education that we have. We think about even our status as a nation, and we put trust in those things. We rely on our own personal human strength. We think of our resume. We think of our athletic abilities. We think of how well we did in school or whatever it is, and we say, this is what I'm going to put my trust in. And Jeremiah is pretty pointed, right? In fact, he says it very clearly. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their ultimate hope in humans or in themselves. So let's contrast that with the good news in verses 7 and 8. But blessed, but blessed What does it say about the mindset, the heart inclination of those who are blessed? They trust in the Lord. They put their confidence and hope in God. And so they're not worried about the circumstances that come around them. They're not bothered when things happen around them because their confidence is in something other than themselves. Now, this is an easy verse for us to say, oh, yes, I get it. The person who trusts in the Lord, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. I've kind of used this as a theme verse for us at Pine Lake Covenant for this year. And we can say it and memorize it. I think it's a great one. But what does that look like? Jeremiah gives us a picture of what that looks like. Rather than this withered shrub, we have a watered tree. A tree that is lush and green, planted, or maybe the translation could even be transplanted, next to this flowing river. A steady source of water, right? It's, it, it's independent of the weather because the roots go down deep. And they can connect to this source of water. And so the leaves are green, it says. And it never stops bearing fruit. There's always, not on this tree, this wasn't a fruit tree, but... There's always something there that points to life. And so this blessed person is not worried or bothered when heat comes or times of drought or uncertainty. Jeremiah has given us a really stark contrast and picture. Those who solely trust in themselves or other people are stunted and hopeless and barren and lonely. And those who turn their hearts to God and put their confidence in him, they're nourished and fruitful. They're green and they're able to withstand 
whatever might come at them, the circumstances that might be adverse. In fact, you need to notice in this passage, this picture that Jeremiah gives us, both the shrub and the tree face the same circumstances, right? Heat, seasons of drought. I mean, we know what that's like, right? This, this actually, 2021 was the hottest summer in the lower 48 since actually exceeded the Dust Bowl of 1936. I mean, it's been hot and, right? 112, 114 temperature. It's made us want to consider air conditioning. I'll say that much. But we know what it's like to be in a season of dryness. And we saw what it did to the shrubs and the plants around us, right? Things shriveled up. And in Jeremiah's image, it's both the shrubs and the tree that faced this time of drought, this time of dryness. They were both impacted. But what was the difference? What was the difference? The shrub was in a place where there wasn't a good source of water. Its roots were shallow. The tree, it was placed in a place next to a good source of water and its roots could go deep and it could continue to be nourished no matter what was going on around it. You see, the difference is where you're rooted. Where the roots are planted makes all the difference. The difference in all of this is rootedness. You know, my husband and I, um, we received a, a gift of a lilac bush and we decided to plant it in a place that needed some color next to our driveway. And, of course, we had forgotten to take into account that the sprinkler system does not reach that. And the hose, yes, we could have gone out and watered it and given it some good nourishment, but we'd forgotten And so that lilac, instead of producing these wonderful, fragrant flowers, eventually shriveled and shriveled. Rootedness, where something is placed, makes all the difference. And I think that's true for us here at Pinelet Covenant as well. What does it mean for us to be rooted? Now, you may be facing a challenge in your own life right now irregardless of what's happening in culture around us, maybe you're going through a really dry spiritual time. Maybe you're facing something personal like a health crisis or social isolation or anxiety about what's going on in the future. Maybe relational challenges and difficulties. The difference in being shriveling up in that space and being able to actually not just survive but thrive is being rooted in the right place and finding the right source of life that will keep nourishing you. We have a choice, friends. We can live in this barren, desolate isolation of trusting in ourselves and saying, we can do this. Or we can depend on the God of the universe and be nourished whatever comes into our lives. You know, the other part of this um, passage... Where, where Jeremiah's talking about where we're going to get hope. He, he goes into this passage, it's like, well, that doesn't seem to fit. I just want to stick on the hope part. It goes into really honest conversation about what's going on in human hearts. The Bible is never very, is never naive about our human condition. I mean, God knows. And it says this in verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I mean, this is what Jeremiah is saying about us. 
We're going to be people who trust in God. He knows what's in our hearts. And we can acknowledge that even on our best days, when we're trying to trust God, even on our best faithful days of Christians, we know our hearts. They're deceitful. They're scheming. We struggle with addictions, envy. We struggle with inconsistencies, outright evil and nastiness. And it can be a bit unnerving. At least it is for me. Think of it this morning, that God, who sees us sitting here in this space, and those of you connecting online, God's able to look down into the deepest part of your heart and being and see totally uncentered, uncensored exactly what is there. God knows it. And that would bring us to despair. I mean, if we'd end it with, oh, this is really bad, because I know what's in that heart. But the Bible, at being realistic about our human condition, is also so realistic about the God of hope. This is a God who loves us as he sees what's in our hearts. This is a God who meets us and promises never to turn away. Yes, there are times where there are going to be consequences. And even in Jeremiah's day, when he taught spoke these words to the people of Judah, the Babylonians were right on the cusp of conquering Judah. But God, even then, would not be deterred, even by their bad choices. Isn't that helpful to know, for you and I, that what's in our heart, even our worst choices, cannot deter the God of the universe who loves you and meets you. He will not turn away from us, even when we choose the wrong path. Verse 10 says it this way about God. It says, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God does. There are consequences. There are our conduct, our actions. They make a difference. But it doesn't have the final word. And to me, that's the good news of the gospel today and every day. Yes, Hard things might come. Yes, I don't know what's in the future for you or even for this church, but we have a God who knows us and loves us. And as he sees us in the inner pieces of our heart, he meets us there and loves us there. So Jeremiah gives us a big, stark contrast between the cursed and the blessed. And we're challenged in this time to ask Some vital questions for us individually and for us as a community. Where are we going to place our trust? As we enter into this new season, this fall season, what is going to be our confidence? Who are we going to trust? You know, the answers to these questions, they're truly a matter of life and death. A shriveled shrub or a water tree. Now, once again... This is on the other hand. When we read the scriptures, we have to read it in context. And we shouldn't take these verses and make it a simplistic formula for life. Okay? Let's be cautious about that. Because if we read this text in isolation, it says, if I do these things right and trust in God, my life is going to flourish. I'm going to be green and fruitful. And you and I know that just by observing our own lives or the lives of people around us that truly faithful people who trust God sometimes don't appear to flourish. 
It appears they're facing really hard things. Many faithful churches, church communities, who say we are putting our confidence in God, they still are prone to hard times. What's the difference again? The difference is where they're rooted. God is in charge of growth. And if we're rooted in a place that says, God, I'm putting my soul, I'm putting all that I have, my roots down deep into who you are and what you give, then, yes, we are promised fruitful living in this present day and abundant existence in the life to come. Both are God's promises. We know because of the starkness and suddenness of 9-11 that we have no control over the future, the conditions around us. But we do have a choice about where we plant ourselves, where we're going to root ourselves for true nourishment is growth. And as a church, I want us to ask, have we situated ourselves so that our roots are going down deep into life-giving water? This is a challenge for you, my friends, because I want us to ask these questions of ourselves personally and us as a community. Where are our roots planted? Here's some suggestions that I would have for you as you consider this fall where you're going to plant your roots. And I don't hesitate to say this first one. Consistency in worship. That whether online or in person, doesn't matter, but placing ourselves weekly consistently near the water of worship and word it makes a difference it fills us up it makes our leaves green it nourishes us so ask yourself am i consistent in corporate worship of god another one authentic community with others we talked today about six for six groups but whatever that looks like do you have people in your life that you can gather with together People who also put their confidence in the Lord and can remind you to do the same thing. Who are you connecting with? Who are you offering support to? In authentic, real ways so that your roots would go deep. And of course, we need this balanced nourishment from God's word. Where are your roots really connected to? I mean, I can ask myself this question as I ask you. Do I spend as much time on my Facebook and Instagram feed as I do reading and soaking in God's word? Am I drinking from other sources of news or input? And and just don't go back to the nourishment of God's word. I challenge you and encourage you that if you want to be a person who flourishes in the time, you've got to depend on what God says about life. And, and maybe it's, maybe you're not in a habit of daily Bible reading or anything like that. Just start somewhere. Be with, be around God's word. Read it. Maybe you want to read a psalm a day. Whatever it is, just come to God and say, this is nourishment. And I want to have the balanced nutrition from your word. And then the last one. Our roots are planted in spurring other, one another on to love and good deeds, as the New Testament says. I mean, we've talked about it in our last sermon series, and we've just finished our remember verse. So here's the test time, folks. Lemuel led us in it today. Do you remember what it is? It's from Galatians 5.13. I'm going to say it once, and then we'll say it together. Serve one another humbly in love. That's what we want to keep 
as the Kairos kids said, keep in our noggin. Let's say it together. Serve one another humbly in love. As we do that, our roots go down deep. Our connections to one another intertwine. And we see the love of God expressed humbly in community. So where are our roots going to be planted as a church in this coming year? I challenge you to say, I will be consistent in worship. I will find authentic community with others. I will find a place to get nourishment from God's word in a formal group in my own devotional time. And I will be around others who spur me on to love and good deeds so that we might serve one another. We have a choice, friends. Withered shrub, not a lot of life there. Or a watered tree. Which image is going to describe us as God's people here in this time? Which image is going to describe me as I put my roots into the place that makes all the difference? Let me pray for us as we consider this in this coming season. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us on our own. That even as we look to be rooted in hope, that we can come back to you over and over again and know that you provide life itself. But we also have a choice, Lord. We have a choice if we're going to put our roots into things that are shallow, that are not your way, mere human insights. Lord, we don't want to be stuck in that rhythm. We want to have roots that go on deep and deeper and deeper. So when Hard things come when drought or seasons of dryness come. We are still flourishing through the work of God in our lives. Lord, may we make choices for where our roots will get nourishment. And may it be evidenced in this community so that we would be here in this place and in this community a truly watered, lush, green tree. That would point others to the life-giving hope in Jesus Christ. This is our prayer. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.